Welcome to CouncilCast, news bites and insights from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. I'm Rob Boyce, Associate on the Market Intelligence and Insight team here at the Council. I'm joined today by Jonathan Pope, CEO of Cyber Risk Analytics firm Corax. JP, can you give us a little background of yourself and how you became involved in cybersecurity? Sure. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, so I used to be in the military and then did a number of consulting roles and found myself working for a law firm uh, in a business development capacity. And unexpectedly, uh, the CEO of the firm uh, said to me, um, cybersecurity, uh, a lot of clients are asking about that, how we're protecting their data, and our IT director is struggling. I need somebody to look into it, uh, report to the board, tell us what the risks are, uh, how much we should spend on security controls or insurance, um, go. And uh, I got to say, that was a tough challenge, you know, not having a technical security background. I really struggled to pull together the information that we needed. And I've got to say, the information that I did get from IT, security and risk uh, was just very technical, very uh very, very detailed, the sort of thing that not many non-security experts understand. And I thought there's got to be a way of doing this, it's a lot easier. Uh, And that's why we started Corax, with the aim of essentially triangulating uh, those three components, sort of IT security with uh, risk and finance and the board, and putting them on the same page and translating all of that technical information into a language that means that decision makers, non technical people can uh, compare cyber uh, with other business risks in an apple versus apples type way. Uh, so that's where we started. Great, great. So what made you transition your product uh, towards the insurance industry? Was there an aha moment that just made sense for you guys? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we'd always had um, you know, half an eye on risk transfer um, as a component within the, the solution that we were building. Um, the aha moment was uh, Kind of combination of really struggling to um, make an impact in the market. Um, the security crowd is 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 very difficult to penetrate because chief information security officers, security teams are inundated uh, with vendors like us knocking on their doors saying that they've got the the next kind of silver bullet. Um, and then the other thing is that. Uh, you know, in, in connection with that, it is a very, very crowded market, uh, not just within the security space itself, but within the, the sort of subsector that we sat in, which was kind of continuous risk monitoring. Um, so we, and we were in conversations with um, a number of insurers and, and, and brokers um, on relating to risk transfer and the applicability of our product. And um, we also managed to recruit an ex-cyber insurance underwriter who had 20 years of experience underwriting cyber. And you know, his insight um, helped us essentially decide, right, <laughs> there's a different approach here, and that is to you know, take what we've built and apply it to cyber insurance, and specifically to carriers and brokers. Great, so can, can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, about your product, especially from a broker uh, perspective? Yeah, in essence, uh, we provide them the information that helps them sell more cyber insurance. Um, So that's a combination of um, pricing-related information for their customers. Um, And by that, I mean helping their customers understand how much an incident would cost them um, and what level of coverage, therefore, would be appropriate, uh, as well as what are the chances of it happening. Um, And, you know, how do I compare versus my peer group? And uh, that's important because... Um, brokers want meaningful, defensible metrics which they can put in front of their clients to help cross-sell cyber into them. Um, And essentially that's what we provide them. 
Great. So both from a frequency and severity standpoint, helping them assess the risk. Absolutely. Great. Well, so when it comes to cyber coverage, what are you hearing from the brokers and the carriers? What's the, the main struggle for pricing cyber coverage at this moment? Uh, coming up with something that is more than a finger in the air number. Um, so we, you know, we all know that, that you know, essentially market dynamics drive uh, the actual price that's paid, but substantiating where the starting point is for that market pricing is, is tricky. And uh, if it wasn't tricky, we wouldn't be in business. Um, so you know, it's very much our business to um, provide you know, kind of technical pricing, um, putting a dollar value, if you like, on um, you know, what it might cost that organization. And uh, brokers, really, they're, they're, they're really interested in that. We're hearing a lot about that. And we're also hearing, um, uh, certainly on the carrier side, kind of more about aggregation. You know, what does it look like rolled up? So to properly um, analyze cyber risk or a, a firm's cybersecurity posture, Compared to other lines of insurance that are using historical models to assess risk, what does your product do? How do you gain, gather the data, and where does this data come from? Um, so, firstly, on the point about historical data, um, so I think we're just starting to see the emergence of uh, data from the last couple of years. Um, you know, so it's not particularly historic, um, but it's starting. And uh, actually, somebody was asking me a question the other day about how we validate um, our, the metrics that we produce in our software um, based on the, the data input and our calculations. Actually, uh, it's validated its source um, because we are using uh, data that is coming from you know, actual breach-related data, i.e. Um, uh, you know, itemized invoices of costs for forensics, legal costs, etc. Um, and then on the business interruption side, um, we're seeing essentially performance data on the uptime of internet infrastructure providers. So actually, that, that historical data is starting to, um, to appear. Uh, in terms of how our product works, we take data from a whole bunch of different sources uh, relating to either threat intelligence, um, commercial information, breach databases, uh, business interruption, as I said, in terms of performance metrics of internet service providers, um, and then also some uh, hy hy cyber hygiene uh, data. So that's essentially data on uh, what technology a company is using and what are the kind of assets, you know, the, the software or hardware that it's exposed to the internet um, that perhaps shouldn't be, and what are the vulnerabilities on those. So we you know, pull together all of that information from a combination of paid for open source um, sources or information we've gathered ourselves, um, and we uh, put that through our risk analytics engine, and the output is uh, exactly as you said earlier, it's you know, severity and frequency numbers and um, other stuff. Yeah, so you mentioned earlier when we were talking that you, know, you can use open source data to tell something as specific as whether or not an insurance uh, employees are updating patches. So you can really dive in there and, and assess the cyber risk more so than, more from the inside than, uh, than a normal, normal firm would be able to. So, you know, a question we always get is, surely there's only so much you can see from the outside. Um, and that's absolutely right. Um, there is a limit. But it's amazing what you can infer from an outside view. Um, it's also amazing how difficult it is to get internal information. Um, but, you know, for example, um, we can't see from an external perspective whether an organization has um, a you know, information security policy in place. Um, we can't see what the kind of policies and procedures are like for an organization in relation to cybersecurity. But actually we can see um, whether or not they have security staff. Um, we can see that, for example, um, by LinkedIn profiles. And um, you can infer quite a lot about the maturity when it comes 
comes to cyber risk um, of an organization based on whether or not they've got security stuff. Um, so having uh, an external view uh, is limited, but actually you can infer quite a lot. Wow. So what else does Quirax do other than just price a cyber policy? Does it help clients better understand their organization's cybersecurity posture? Uh, yeah. Um, so in a number of sort of cyber hygiene um, related areas, so, so you mentioned vulnerabilities, um, yes. Uh, also, ports and databases that are exposed to the internet that perhaps shouldn't be. Um, reliance on uh, poor performing, relatively poor performing vendors. Um, anyone that's you know they're using for internet related services, be that cloud infrastructure, um, DNS provision, etc. Um, DNS resilience as well. Um, so actually, all these things we can pick up in a, an automated, non-intrusive fashion, um, and. Brokers are keen to use that information to help advise um, their customers on you know, what steps they can take that can improve that risk posture. Great. So I'm going to end on, a, on an industry-wide question. And according to the council's cyber insurance market-wide survey, take-up rates among, uh, among brokers' clients have kind of staggered around a 29 to 32% take-up rate in the industry. Uh, in your opinion, what needs to happen in the industry for the cyber market to, to mature? Confidence. Uh, confidence at three levels, uh, reinsurer level, um, and then carrier level, and then I would say broker stroke customer level. So um, the, the, the top and the bottom are the most important. So the top level, I think reinsurers are still um, unsure of their clarity on their level of exposure in relation to cyber. And that is causing a, uh, a locking up of capital. And then on the opposite end, the broker stroke customer side, um, that lack of confidence frankly just comes down to this is a complicated technical subject. Um, you know, brokers are relatively inexperienced in selling it in and customers are relatively inexperienced in buying it. Um, so what does it take to improve understanding and confidence in it? Um, firstly, I think those you know, defensible metrics, um, ones that are defensible because they are backed by you know, evidence rather than just um, finger in the air, this is what a security expert says. Um, secondly, uh, by providing um, uh, you know, the sort of pricing information that we're talking about, i.e. Um, if this happens, what would it cost, uh, how certain can we be of that cost, and what coverage are you offering? Um, and those two things combined, uh, I think, will certainly help the uptake. And I, I, you know, speaking to uh, a lot of CIAB members, um, five years is what their uh, response has typically been when I've said to them, when do you think cyber insurance will become not necessarily mature, but more mature than it is now? Two years feels a little bit quick. Five years, probably 10 years, it'll already be there in 10 years. So people are saying five years. I think that's reasonable. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your insight. It sounds like you guys are doing a lot of some very interesting work and we're looking forward to seeing more hear more about Cordax. So thank you for joining us for CouncilCast, News Bites and Insights with the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. Until next time, be sure to follow us on Twitter for all the latest updates. We're at the CIAB. Thank you.